York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Football is life. God is good. <laughs> do you do you uh, do you, do you watch um, Ted Lasso? No, no, I haven't. I haven't watched uh, the Squid Games or Ted Lasso. I haven't been watching a lot of TV. I've been watching sports lately and and doing homework with the kids. But I keep hearing about it. Need to get into well, it, huh? Squid Squid Game Squid Game and Ted Lasso are polar opposites, by are the they? way. So, <laughs> uh, depends what you're in the mood for. But nonetheless, uh, let's dive into it. It is New York Game Day. It is Week Six, and of course, as we know, the Giants are getting ready to host the Rams. Uh, this afternoon, I, I, I want to start off with Daniel Jones. Okay. And, and I talked about it in, in the first hour. I know it was a fantasy football show, but you know, of course we were talking about Daniel Jones. I would not play him this week. Now, you know, Matthias, I, I played women's football. I've got, I don't know, six, seven concussions in, in, in the five years. And, and then I, I've played sports my whole life. So God knows how many concussions I've had. I don't even know how I'm able to speak and formulate sentences anymore but um with that being said i, I i'm curious how many concussions have you had it, it's 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 impossible to count i mean you said you played for five years and you had six or seven that you know of so that's six or seven instances where you can you can point back and say okay i was definitely more than dinged on this one but the problem is even if you're just dinged that's a form of a concussion and from the research that i've done it's not just about you know getting that one concussion it's you know your brain is swollen it's healing and then if you go back out there and hit it again that's where the majority of the the major damage is done and and knowing what i know now about you know cte and and the um um you know the traumatic brain injuries in general, you know, it's just, it's hundred percent not worth it. I understand that he cleared the concussion protocol and, you know, I don't blame the coaches because they're, they're doing what they're, you know, what they're allowed to do, you know, by the league, but the, the research has shown and studies have shown that, you know, CTE is real, you know, and a lot of former players, myself included, we're dealing with it to some extent. And you look at the study in Boston and, you know, like 87 or 89% of the brains that were donated showed symptoms of it. And 111 of those guys were, were NFL players. So, um, everybody, everybody knows about it now, and it's it's something that um, needs to be taken a little bit more seriously. The way he was stumbling, walking off that field, he's he's more than concussed. You know, his brain is bruised, and he needs some time to heal. I'm with you. That's why I'm. I, and and listen, you, I I worked for the Giants, uh, part of their broadcast team for several years. You played for the Giants. We both know how conservative that medical staff is. 100. Like, right like probably the one most of, one of the yeah one of the best medical staffs in the league um right. you know completely stand-up guy i mean i only played for the giants but i heard so many guys come over with story like horror stories from other yeah. teams and and i know that the giants go out of the way they pay for surgeries they don't have to pay for you know they, they don't take chances when it comes to health and, and player safety um you know i had i had a major neck injury and you know they you know, they probably could have cleared me and they said, no, you know what, your health is, is more important than that. So um, I, I 100 percent respect them and I know that they're going to do what is what they feel is best. I just know that there, there, there's no, you can't take, you know, the violence out of football. You know, you can't stop the hit. So you could potentially, you know, pull maybe like 10 guys every week and say, hey, they got hit too hard. You know, they, they can't play. Like you put a sensor in the helmet. It would probably be it would probably be a high number of guys who every week weren't allowed to play the next week. So it, it's I get it. Um, but as a player who's been through it and who's seen the other side of it, I mean, life is a lot longer than football. So and, and with that being said, I, you know, I'll use the word shock. I'll use the word shocked. Kiwi, I'm yeah. I'm I'm sitting here. I'm shocked that Daniel Jones is expected to 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 start today. I I, I really am, um, because again, you might be cleared by the doctors, but 
you know, and, and I shared this in the first hour, like, I don't know, like, you know, post, post a concussion, I have to write down everything. I have to write down, you know, what time I walked my dog. Mm-hmm. I have to write down where I parked my car. I have to put my, my, my car keys in a certain spot or, or you know, you're just, you're, you're just not, you're not yourself for over a week. And so, oh, yeah. You know, oh yeah, so definitely, just, definitely I'm, over a week. I think, I think, I'm, you know, what, what I, what I, what's remiss is that it was a good opportunity, you know, with the the league and the new initiative, the heads up play and 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 everything. It was a good opportunity to show how important, um, you know, it is to to follow the the studies with you know concussions because we all saw him stumbling off the field. You know, you shouldn't be stumbling off the field one week and then coming back in and getting hit in the head the next week. It just it just shouldn't happen. Um, so I'm just I'm throwing this out here, okay. Just food for thought. And I don't know, you know, I know nothing. Okay. I, I, I'm not, I'm just food for thought. What if the Giants in the 11th hour, the last minute, start Mike Lennon? And, but they've, they've passed, you know, Daniel Jones has, has passed concussion protocol, but they utilize him as the number two. I'm just, I'm just food for thought. I'm just throwing it out there. Here's yeah, another I mean, one. It's possible, Here, right? It's, it's right? something that it, it could definitely happen. And maybe they're going to say, hey, look, you know, we can go through the league's concussion protocol and still make an executive decision and say, hey, no, it's it's not worth it for us as an organization to put one of our players, you know, our family members in, in harm's way uh, this significantly. And here's another one for you. And, and uh, let's open up the phone lines. 800-919-3776. Do you really feel that a not 100% Daniel Jones gives this team the best opportunity to beat the Rams? And not that Mike Glennon is blowing the doors off of anyone, but he is. I would I would put Mike Glennon out there as a top 10, top 15 backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, he he's, he's, he's done. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm trying to think, was it, was it, uh, the Bears. I, I mean, there was a team that like signed him to be a starter. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not. He's not horrible. A part of me thinks that Glennon. First of all, I don't think the Giants beat the Rams today. But yeah. uh, you're going to have to keep up pace with a very explosive offense. So in order to do so, I just, okay. I, I just, I just wonder if Glennon would give them a better chance. The issue, the issue, the issue with Glennon is, and backup quarterbacks in general is. Um, you know, the, the same thing we saw with Geno Smith, you know, is your relationship with the receivers um, what it needs to be? You know, do you, do you understand how each individual receiver runs his routes and what the expect, expectation is? Does he have enough reps with the uh, with the receiving core? Because if he does, then, yeah, then he could he could be a um, a reasonable you know uh, choice. But if not, then then he doesn't. You know, that, that's that's the one thing with, with backup quarterbacks. You don't know until you get them out there how they're going to perform. 800-919-3776 is the phone number. Um, let's go to our phone lines. I know it's early, but we've got Eddie in Westchester who wants to chime in. Eddie, welcome in. Hey, Anita. How you guys doing? All right. Good. I'm the Giants. You know, I want to touch in. You know, I was against everything they've done the last five years. Uh, I wanted them to trade down, get a right tackle, a tight end, and a center, and then go defensive end. Uh, I think Gettleman screwed it up again. Got rid of Wayne Gallman, the only guy who can go up the middle for three yards with some guts. Another big mistake they did. And my problem is with this team is they don't know how to use Saquon Barkley. He's a star, and they use him as a like a fullback up the middle. He should be on the edge. He should be a Dave Meggett, and they should get a big back in here, and they should have got a big tight end. 
Giant football is about big tight end play and power running and big linebacker play. And when you get those three rocking and rolling, then you can do something. But I, I think it's a big mistake what Gettleman did. He, he took that Chicago pick for next year. That's a waste. He won't be here for next year. And I just think it's all on Mara. Ever since McAdoo, that McAdoo thing, it's been downhill, sliding fast. Okay. I, I thought you had a comment on, on Daniel Jones, Eddie. No? Yes. On, oh yeah, I don't, I don't think they should run him anymore. I think he's an average runner, and he's awkward. Okay? Once in a while, he looks okay, but not good enough that I'm, I'm dialing up four or five runs every, every uh, game for him. Eddie, are Plus you kidding me? Eddie, are you kidding? He doesn't even slide. You're not worried about that? Okay, well, that's that's a whole different conversation. And, Eddie, I appreciate the phone call. With all due respect, dude, I I disagree with you. And, and Kiwi, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I mean, listen, how how many dudes run 22 miles an hour, Kiwi? Yeah, he can can run the ball. He can can run the rock. I think – the concern is more about what he's doing when he's running it. So he, he finally stopped turning the ball over. Now he's turning his brain over, you know? So he, when he does run, what is he going to do? Is he looking, like you said, is he looking to slide and just take what he can get? Or is he trying to, you know, force the issue? I mean, I, as a, as a football player, you know, I mean, I love the toughness, right. You know, like your quarterbacks out there, he's trying to make a play, you know, it's a big game and, you know, the season's not going very well and he's willing to put his shoulder down and try to try to take one, you know, like, like that kind of stuff, it goes a long way. Like he, he's a tough guy, you know, and, and you, you love that about guys coming up now you get a little older and you realize, you know, you, you gotta be smart. You know, you gotta be, you only got one body. You gotta be smart and we need you around. So it, it, it does make sense to, you know, to just, you know, take what you can get instead of, instead of going for it. But no, I think he, um, I agree with the caller that, you know, we need to, or that giants need to uh, feature the run in a different way. You know, if you can't run the ball, it, it hamstrings your, your entire offense. And if you have a running, running back with a skill set, you need to be able to utilize that, um, but we all know that, you know, we have some issues. They have some issues with the offensive line and, and it starts right there. New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks. Without further ado, Jordan Renan joins us now on New York game day. He does a phenomenal job covering the giants. Um, so Jordan, first and foremost, Kiwi and I spent a lot of time talking about Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, both of us are, are a little surprised. I'll use the word shocked for myself, uh, that he's going to play today. You know, how was he able to, you know, um, pass all the protocols? And, and what are your expectations for him this afternoon? Well, the reality was that Daniel Jones, after the game last week, was feeling, I mean, this is all on a relative scale, right, because he did suffer a concussion. But he was feeling relatively good, and he felt good all week. And, you know, once it, it, he's passing through the medical steps, you know, pretty easily, I, I will say, as at least from what I've been told. And when you get the medical clearance from the medical people, I, would you then still suggest they should still sit him? Or, I mean, it, so that's, that's kind of the dilemma that the Giants are in, right? Because he's been cleared everything medically. It's just a matter of whether they would say, okay, are we just going to now sit him just because we didn't like that? You know, because like you, and, and the optics of it was bad, right? The optics of him standing up there and, and really wobbling, it made everybody feel a little uneasy about the whole thing. If he didn't do that, I, I'm, I, I, I'm sure, I actually I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but most people I think would have a different opinion of the whole thing. So it's a really strange spot the Giants are in. They know 
if he if something happens to him, they're going to be subject to criticism again. Uh, but he passed through all the medical steps, so they feel like if the medical personnel and the medical people and Joe Judge has went talked about this this week, if the medical people are clearing him and saying he's fine, then he's going to play, and that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, for me, it's 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 more than just about the optics. You know, after playing for a number of years and and going through it, and I've I've had concussions myself. But listen, like I mean, I I got knocked out in Detroit and went back to the sidelines and and you know found my way back in the game. You know, somehow. So I get it. I understand. As a player, you just want to go back in the game. You want to you want to play. But that's a young man's choice, a young man's decision. I just feel like I would. I would have no problem and I would have full faith or, or, you know, respect for the Giants if they sat him down and just said, hey, no, listen, like you're you're just you're not ready. You might have cleared, but but you're not ready. Let me ask you this about like, you know, switching to the defensive yeah. side of the ball. You know, I I've always said like the middle linebacker position or signal caller in general is is um, is one of the most important parts of, of a defense. And, and as a team, you know, with Blake Martinez, you know, going down, like how much do you think that has affected the, you know, the, the Giants defense? Oh, I mean, crazy. I mean, Blake Martinez is a really good player. We saw this for years, right? The Giants were kind of in that no-man's land in the middle linebacker position for like five or six or seven years, really, you know, and they're searching, searching for the middle linebacker. They finally get one last year in Blake Martinez, and I don't think it's a coincidence at all that that was their best defensive season, or at least one of them, in, in a while because, you know, he helped settle everything. He helps give them respectability in the middle of the field. He can, you know, he's not the best cover guy in the world, but he he's smart enough as a player where he can, you know, fulfill that need. And and as a run defender, I mean, you can see the the major difference. And I know people want to point to Dalvin Thompson. The major difference in the run defense right now is that they don't have Blake Martinez, and also they haven't really. They were phasing out Jabril Peppers anyway, even before he got hurt, and then he got hurt. And Jabril Peppers, for as much as you want to maybe criticize him for his inability to cover, and that, that's not his strength, what he does do well is play well near the line of scrimmage, make plays near the line of scrimmage, and in that run game as well. So you add Blake Martinez and Jabril Peppers kind of not being there in that regard, and I think that's been a, a two huge missing pieces in you're, I think you're going to see a lot more of Jabril Peppers because he's coming back today from a hamstring injury. He was pretty close last week. You're going to see him back more in a bigger role because of that, because they need him in regards to defending the run. And also, he could give him something as a pass rusher, which, quite frankly, this Giants team desperately needs. Again, Jordan Manon joining us here on 98.70 ESPN. As we know, no Saquon Barkley today. Uh, so yeah. a heavy, heavy dose of Devontae Booker, who I know this organization has liked, especially, you know, he's gotten so many reps and so much time because of uh, all the time that Saquon Barkley was out recovering from the knee. What, what can Giants fans realistically expect from, from Booker today? I don't know. It's a tough, this, is not, this is not an ideal matchup, right? I mean, this is a pretty good Rams front against a, a Giants offensive line, which we know kind of where, where they stand. I mean, they're, they're down, what, three? Andrew Thomas, we're still not sure if he's going to play. He's going to be checked out in a pregame workout. So you might see Matt Parrott at left tackle and uh, Nate Solder at right tackle. And then, uh, you know, Matt Skura, who wasn't a starter, at left guard. And then uh, Billy Price, who wasn't a starter, start the season at center. So, man, it makes it a tough matchup for Devontae Booker and his Giants running game. 
I think he's going to get the volume in regards to he's going to get the touches because they really only have two other tailbacks on the roster, and that's including the fullback Eli Penny, who probably is going to be your your you know your number two running back in this game. And the other running back on the roster is uh, Gary Brightwell, who's uh, you know a late or late round pick this year. So you know Devontae Booker Booker is the guy here. So like if you're looking to start him in fantasy, I think he has some value. Uh, you're hoping he has some touchdown equity. You know, like he stuck in the touchdowns last week, despite you know not putting up big numbers. But man, it's just uh, it's a tough matchup. There's not a huge upside, I think, with Devontae Booker back there. That's not his thing. He's not the explosive running back like Saquon, and uh, so that's kind of where they stand. But but you know, good enough to start if you need a running back. Need I'm I'm, I'm in a bad spot. I would I would have taken him. <laughs> Um, in, in regard to uh, Aaron Donald, Kiwi and I were, were talking about him earlier. Uh, kind of break down this offense for us, this offensive line, I should say, for the Giants, and uh, and and how you feel that they're going to be able to protect Daniel Jones because they're going to need to, right? I, I mean, this game protection for Daniel Jones uh, probably never more important than this week, considering what he went through last week, and and he is playing coming off of a concussion, but nonetheless. You know what, what? What's your analysis in regard to how this offense is going to keep Sam Don- Sam Donald, Aaron Donald, away from uh, from Daniel Jones? Let's think about it for a second. They're kind of short on receivers, right? Uh, Kenny Galladay, he's also out, right? Darius Slayton is questionable. I think he's going to also need a pregame workout to see if he can play. So he's not going to be back at a hundred percent. Because Darius Tony is even nursing an ankle injury that they're going to keep an eye on before the game. So. You're short on wide receivers. Your offensive line we talked about is three of fifths uh, guys who didn't start the season as starters. The Giants have already been heavy two tight end team. I think it was, uh, who was it, Malcolm Jenkins after the Saints game said all they did was sit there in two tight ends and max protect all game. Like that's the Giants offense these days. Like that's how they have to play with how they are right now. I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of two tight ends. You're going to see a lot of, you know, Caden Smith and Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram rotating the, th- the, the three tight ends of a lot. So using those guys a lot, shipping with their backs, uh, helping with their, with their tight ends, their tackles, because they know those are tough situations. And also really doubling Aaron Donald on every single opportunity possible. Because if you're the Rams, you say, okay, we want to get Aaron Donald against Matt Skura or Wes Martin if he comes in the game or – whoever's playing that guard spot. And if you're the Giants, you're saying, well, we need to give that guy help on every single play if he, if, with Aaron Donald is even near him. And so just sort of rolling your protection in that direction and getting help uh, as much as possible. Because, you know, I know these guys, and I'm they're all, you know, NFL players, and you have to line up next to the other guy. But if you line up next to that other guy, and the other guy is one of the best defensive players of the last – you know, 20, 30 years, you're, you're going to, the percentages say you're going to lose a bunch of those battles if you end up one-on-one. And I don't think that's, the Giants put themselves in that spot. But that's an, that's an opportunity to make some money. That's an opportunity to, to, to be a star. You know what I mean? Like, like when you have a chance to go up against the best and you, you lock them up, like you, you get a gold star, you know, around the league for that. So that, that, that was my mindset playing, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. Like this player has X amount of catches or stats or whatever it is, or he blocks, he locks everybody down. But like, you know, 
you you've you're gifted an opportunity to stand out and stand out direction like uh, uh, you know from uh from the rest but one thing that, that bothered me as a player you want that opportunity as a player you want that opportunity but at the same time if you're putting you know an an A player against a C player that's a t- you know the likelihood is the A player if you give them enough opportunities is going to end up winning and if you're a coach and you're coming up with a game plan you don't want to put your guy in that spot on a regular basis no, I get it. I, from a, yeah, from a coach's standpoint, that's their job. They're supposed to put people in a position to succeed. A player, that's not your mindset. You're supposed to go out there knowing that you're going to win. The right. thing that bothered me the most about about what you're talking about is that you know we talked for a long time about the Giants' offense, and the only time you mentioned the tight end is when we're talking about Max protected. Like, at what point are we going to see something come out of that tight end's position? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, they're going to need it to. I mean, they tried a couple of things. I mean. I think it was the was it the Saints game they threw the, the throwback screen to Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I mean, we saw Evan Ingram last week. I know it was a, a it was a mess of a game, but Evan Ingram did make some tough catches and was a little bit more involved last week as guys kept going down. So I think the Giants might in this game scheme up a few more opportunities for him because they're lacking the playmakers. Right? There is no Saquon. There is no Galladay. There may be no Slayton. Tony might be slightly. Uh, limited a little bit. So you, you're, if you if you keep going down weapons, I think they're going to have to look to Evan Ingram a little bit more to give, to give a little bit more. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to be able to get much more out of like Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith. I mean, they, you know, maybe you could hit them in an element of surprise at times, but it, it, the, the, the onus is on Evan Ingram's shoulders and the coaching staff to sort of create opportunities for him because he does have that physical ability that we've been mesmerized by really for what? This is year five of that, and, and we haven't really seen it to the degree that everybody would, would have liked to have seen it. So, um, you know, this is another opportunity for him. And you talk about people, you know, an opportunity to make money. Look, this is his opportunity to make money because it hasn't gone well for him in the last couple of years. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to have to do something here late in the season if he's going to want to make that money. So, this is a big opportunity for him with all these weapons down, and I, I do think this is the game where we might see more of Evan Ingram than we have. Uh, before we let you go, Jordan, uh, give us your your prediction. Uh, you know, who wins? What do you think the final score is going to be? How do you yeah. see the, this this game playing out, Jordan? I have a hard time finding the Giants' path to victory in this game. I just think they're they're overmatched talent wise. Uh, last year they gave the Rams fits defensively, and I think they might be able to do that to a degree again. But remember, it's not Jared Goff anymore. It's Matthew Stafford. So some of the deficiencies that the Rams had that the Giants were able to exploit last year, like making Jared Goff beat them down the field, the Matthew Stafford can do that. And his defense is kind of struggling right now. With a lack of pass rush, I have a hard time seeing them really getting Matthew Stafford off the game. I see Rams 28, Giants 17. Wow. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure you're on your way out to the stadium. Enjoy the game today. All right, you too. You guys enjoy. You got it. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Uh, Let's take a look at... uh, the uh, NFC East for a second. And like I said, you know, of course, the Eagles, they lose to the Bucs. So they're sitting uh, at two and four. All right. And then, um, and then, of course, as we know, the Giants are at one and four. And 
we had Jordan on. He doesn't think that the Giants are going to beat the Rams. I don't either. We'll get your prediction and Mike Tannenbaum's prediction at the end of the show. Uh, but you've got the Dallas Cowboys. They're sitting at 4-1, and one, and they're heading to New England, and they're taking on a New England team um, who I, I just I, – I think this could be – I, I smell an upset here. Now, New England's getting 3.5. I like that play a lot. I'm going to be using New England. I'm going to tease them up to uh, plus 9.5. Um, I like that as well. Um, I just I, I just have a feeling that Bill Belichick and this Patriots defense – it's, it's hard to pass against them. It's easier to run against them. So, I don't know, maybe Zeke has a better day than Dak. But I, I'm just not automatically saying Dallas is going to be 5-1. and one. What, what's, what's your take on this matchup against the Patriots for Dallas? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's difficult. You, you're, you're talking earlier, you asked, the, you know, is this a trap game? And um, I think for the Cowboys, every game from here on out is, is going to be somewhat of a trap game. You know, they have definitely lived up to the expectations or exceeded expectations with, with you know, Dak coming back and, and playing the way that he is. And, you know, Trayvon Diggs having, you know, as many picks as he has and Michael Park, like you can go all the way down the line. But, you know, as a group, you know, they're playing on the big stages consistently. You know, they're playing against great talent and they're they're dominating them. So they're, they're going to start getting everybody's best shot. So I feel like every week they're going to have to come prepared and 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 ready to play. And, you know, it's them, Arizona, Tampa Bay, you know, Buffalo in the in these conversations. They're they're right there in the mix. So everybody's looking at them to knock them off. So they, they can't let up off the gas at all. Again, I, I just I, I've got a I've got a weird feeling about, about this game, and uh, and like I said, I I, I like in regard to playing it. I, I like the Patriots plus three and a half. I also like Jacoby Myers over five and a half receptions. Now Washington, interesting game. Washington and the Kansas City Chiefs. Both these defenses. Well, first of all, Kansas City Chiefs defense is just god awful, right? Thirty second in the NFL against the pass. Um, you could run on them as well. And I feel bad because I know you played for Spags. Spags is a friend of mine. You know, he's such a good dude. You want to root for him. But, man, he just doesn't have the horses in the stable uh, for, uh, for that defense. And, meanwhile, Washington's defense has been um, lackluster. Uh, they have fallen way short of expectations. So this is a Washington team sitting at 2-3. and three. I don't think Kansas City can afford another loss here. Okay, I mean, this is a Kansas City team. A lot of people thought was going to win the Super Bowl this year. What, what's what's your take on this matchup? I mean, I and I also have you know I played for Spags obviously, and and I know that defense very well. Uh, well, you know, I used to know it very well. But um, if you look at it, like I'm, I'm not sold that that defense is is underperforming to the degree that everybody says that they are. Their three losses are to the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Bills. Those three teams are all leading their division. You know, this is not. It's they're not going out there and laying eggs against you know, like, you know, one in whatever teams, like, like there, there are a lot of things that they have to get done, but you know, their next three are Washington, you know, Tennessee, and then here, you know, with the giants. So there's a good possibility that, you know, after week eight, they could be sitting at five and three and we'd be talking about them in a different um, mindset. So I, I still have faith in, um, in the chiefs. I think uh, Washington has definitely not lived up to their, their expectations. And we're expecting to see a lot of, you know, great defense, a lot of sacks and, um, you know, out of uh, sweat now, and we just haven't seen that. And especially, you know, with everything that has come out this week, you know, the, the John Gruden emails have, you know, shined some light on the fact that there is dysfunction within that organization. And that's got to be something that's difficult, you know, for, for guys to, to wrap their heads around. I mean, it's one thing to know that, that racism exists, you know, it's one thing to know that, okay, I'm in the NFL and, and, you know, there's 
there's not a lot of representation of, of black people or, or, or anything else at the executive level. It's another thing to, to hear them speak about you specifically, you know, and to, to have to walk into that building, knowing that, you know, the people who are making decisions on, on your life and controlling, you know, the trajectory of your career, you know, are racist or homophobic or misogynistic or whatever, whatever it is, you know, that's, that's a, that's a position that I, you know, I don't, I don't envy that those guys are being put in and, and having to speak about and having to, to think about as they're going into the week. And I think it's, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's going to weigh on them. It's going to be pretty difficult to overcome that situation. You know, it'll be easier to, to lose a locker room, you know, under those circumstances. You know, it, it's interesting, Matthias, th- this, this is the first, this is the first conversation I've had with somebody talking about how <clears throat> those Gruden emails have possibly affected the Washington locker room. You know, so much yeah. focus and emphasis has been on the Raiders locker room and the Raiders team that I think, and I think you're spot on. Not not many people are talking about, well, what's happening within that Washington football team? So I, I, I think, I think that's, I think that's an excellent point. Um, yeah. And there was, there was a lot, you know, made of, you know, the Raiders and, and how they're responding. And I, and I get it. The, the issue is he's just the one that got caught. You know, and there are 600 or some thousand emails and, you know, none of the other ones were released. But, you know, if you open all those up, you know, what are you what are you going to find? He was talking to somebody and he was talking to more than just one person on a chain. And it went on for years, almost a decade. And it was completely acceptable for everybody to remain on that chain of emails or in that conversation. And that says a lot. You know, these are the people who are making decisions, you know, they're affecting people's lives and, you know, not just financially, but, but careers and, you know, potentially moving your family and uproot and to think that they're looking at, you know, you as something less than or, or other than or, um, you know, you know, speaking about you behind your back in a way that they wouldn't, you know, it's just, it's just you know, it's, it's mind boggling, you know, it's, it's that in this day and age, we're still dealing with it openly you know, at this, at, at this level, you know, all the, all the contributions that the African-Americans or, or anybody, any group that they were speaking about, all the contributions that, that have been made to the game of football, you know, for black people specifically to still be looked at as less than, I mean, it's BS. I, I hear you. Um, I can't say that I feel your pain, um, but I walk beside you, my friend. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. These are Anita's Locks of the Week. And we're not talking about her long blonde hair. That's right. It's time for my Locks of the Week. And Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders joins us now on New York Game Day. Aaron, how you doing? I'm good. I'm ready for another big Sunday of football. Let's go. Let's go. I, I need to recoup because I lost my butt on Thursday night. Game script didn't go according to plan when you've got, you know, I had all these overs for, uh, you know, all the Eagles players, Hurts over uh, um, attempts, over completions, Devontae Smith over reception, Zach Ertz over re- everything hit the under, under, under. So uh, I am not, this is the first, this is actually, this is the first week. I'm heading into Sunday without playing with house money, and that makes me, you know, feel like um, extra incentive to be right. So let's break it down. First and foremost, let's talk about those Carolina Panthers going up against the Minnesota Vikings. They're at home. They're getting two and a half. 
I actually like them on the money line at plus 120. I think they're going to win outright. Their pressure rate, top in the NFL, top three, top four in the NFL. And one thing we know about Kirk Cousins, boy, when you pressure him, uh, talk about polar opposites, Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to the quarterback position. Also, offensively, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, arguably two of the worst corners, starting corners in the NFL with Peterson. Peterson is not what he used to be when he was in Arizona, that's for sure, in Breland. Uh, so I think uh, I think DJ Moore is going to have a big day. So I like Carolina, again, to plus two and a half. That's my play here, but I ain't going to be mad at you if you take him on the money line. Your thoughts on this matchup? My thoughts are the exact opposite of yours. I'm going totally opposite of you. My best bet this week started out as Minnesota, but that line has moved, so it's not as good a bet as it was when it was It actually started out as Minnesota getting a point, and then it became Minnesota minus one, and then Minnesota minus 1.5, and then minus 2.5. Gradually, it's moved towards Minnesota. But uh, we have Minnesota higher than Carolina right now in our ratings, and in our preseason projections, which still carry a lot of weight only five games into the season, Minnesota is significantly higher than Carolina. So Minnesota, if you combine a performance so far with preseason, uh, we have Minnesota 13th and Carolina 24th. Carolina, believe it or not, is dead last covering number one wide receivers. Even though they're, they're good at pressure, like you said, and they've got some good corners, it could be a big opportunity for Justin Jefferson. How soon do we know, and, and I hate to ask questions when I or I'm not sure if my guest knows the answer, so if you don't know, it's not a big deal, but how soon can we expect Stephon Gilmore to, uh, to be active and attractive for the Panthers. Do we know? Is there a timeline out there? Do you know? I don't know, but I okay. don't think it's this week. I haven't seen any story saying that he's going to play this week. Okay. I'm, I'm just curious. So uh, so bottle of wine then maybe for uh, for a little between you and I, my friends? You straight got up. it. Straight, straight up. Bike. I don't even – don't even give me the point. Straight up. I really like Carolina. You – this 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 is – teetering on your best bet from Minnesota. I say a bottle of wine should be on the table. All right. All right. Uh, Game number two, Cincinnati minus three and a half. How can you not love Joe Burrow? How can you not love him? I just, I love everything about him and arguably one of the best wide receiving cores. You got to love Jamar Chase, him against man coverage, best in the NFL as a rookie wide receiver. And of course, T Higgins came back last week. You've got Tyler Boyd. Mixon is healthy. He's going to play. And they've got a tough defense going up against the Detroit Lions team. I mean, listen, their head coach cried at the podium last week. It was a horrible, horrible loss to the Minnesota Vikings at the end of the game. I think it's really hard for a team like that to uh, get back up, gear back up. TJ Hawkinson's dealing with some injuries. They lose uh, a wide receiver on their core. This is a fast track. I think Cincinnati's wide receivers are really going to take advantage of that Detroit Lions secondary. I love Cincinnati minus three and a half. If you want to buy the hook down to three, okay. Not going to be mad at you. I'm not worried about it. I think Cincinnati wins by a touchdown. What say you? I like your uh, thinking about this one. I definitely go Cincinnati. I also love the Cincinnati players this week for DFS. I'm playing them in my DFS slate. You should definitely be playing Joe Burrow against that Detroit defense in DFS slate. Yeah. uh, Jamar Chase, over 70.5 receiving yards, is one of my favorite uh, prop bets out there. And by the way, in the previous game with the Carolina Panthers and the Minnesota Vikings, DJ Moore, over 6.5 receptions is my favorite prop bet in that game. All right, uh, lock number three is, 
And I hate to take advantage of a horrible situation, but how can you not like the Denver Broncos minus four against the Raiders? I mean, everything that they're going through, players wanting personal days, and understandably so, to take off. This is not the type of situation where it it galvanizes a a, a locker room where they come together and all right, let's win it for the team. Like, like there's from what I understand, talking to a number of beat reporters who cover the Raiders, uh, there's a lot of dissension. You've got coaches who know that their time is short-lived now because Gruden's gone. They're on the phone. They're texting other teams. They're worried about where are they going to be employed next year because Gruden's out. It's just a complete mess. Denver's at home. They're hosting the Raiders. Another thing I don't think enough is being discussed about, and I understand because the storyline is is more important in regard to what has happened here with the emails and, 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 and the you know everything that happened with Gruden, but he was calling the plays. So, you know, I, I, Greg I think Olson, Greg Olson is now calling plays and he's a sort of mad offensive coordinator. Exactly. So uh, I just, you know, how, you know, Denver minus four. I, I just, you know, I, I think this has the potential to be, you know, I don't think Denver blows anyone out, but I, I see this game being like uh, 20, 27, 10, 27, you know, 13, something like that. And, and uh, again, a little side uh, prop bet. I love Cordero, uh, uh, um, Cortland Sutton over 63 and a half receiving yards. Uh, he's one of the top wide receivers in in air yards so far this season after five weeks. But I'm all over Denver. And again, I, I have to preface. You know, I hate to take advantage of a horrible situation, but it is what it is. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know what the Gruden situation does to the psychology of the players, but I'm telling you that Denver is straight out the better team enough to make this pick, even if nothing was going on with the Raiders. Okay, so so you're on, so my locks of the week. You're on two of the three, and and the yeah. Panthers and the Panthers and Vikings. We've got a bottle bottle of wine on the table. So again, just to recap, my locks. Denver minus four against the Raiders, Cincinnati minus three and a half against Detroit. And my dog in the fight this week is the Carolina Panthers plus two and a half. I also like them on the money line against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, A few other plays I want to tee up for you, Aaron. Uh, This is one that I like. Again, I think Denver wins. uh, Steelers going up against Seattle Seahawks team uh, with no Russell Wilson. Of course, Geno Smith is going to get the start there. And then, of course, the Buffalo Bills, who've just been destroying folks, Tennessee's defense, one of the worst in the NFL. I'm going to play a three-team money line parlay. Bills over Tennessee, Steelers over Seattle, Denver over the Raiders at plus 195. Thoughts? I like that, too. Uh, I think the Bills are I, – I can't believe that the Tennessee-Buffalo line is only five and a half. It should absolutely be higher than that. You know, the one of those games that I'm a little questionable about is – Seattle, just because I, I don't think uh, we know what we're going to get out of Geno Smith, but the likelihood is we're not going to get much out of him. So it's oh, we here in we here in New York know. <laughs> we here in New York know. Also, don't forget oh, you've got have you know <laughs> you've got uh, Chris Carson who uh, is dealing with a neck injury. Alex Collins doesn't really do much for me. I just um, and that Steelers defense. Uh, they're quite good, and 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 we we saw Ben Roethlisberger and that offense kind of come around for a second. It's not like the Seattle Seahawks are pressuring anyone, uh, and and I think uh, I think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to have some time back there. Uh, there's a there's there's a few games that I um, I'm going to use as teasers and some over unders. Kansas City and the Washington Football Team. I'm going to tease that over down to forty eight and a half. 
Carolina and Minnesota. I'm going to tease that under up to 51 and a half, and I'm going to play that as a two-team, six-point teaser. I'm also going to tease the Rams down to minus four against the Giants and the Chargers up to plus eight and a half against the Ravens, and I'm going to play those two as a two-team, six-point teaser. Either of those you like? I like the first one with the over and the under. Kansas City, Washington, obviously bad defenses, bad secondary so far this year. Kansas City scoring tons of points. Washington's offense better than people think. Uh, The Rams and Chargers won. You know, the Chargers are an interesting team. Almost every advanced metric out there has the Chargers much lower than the conventional wisdom. And we keep waiting for a game where they don't succeed in all these fourth down tries and they fall behind. Uh, and I think that this may be that game, especially because Baltimore can keep up with them in the fourth down way of thinking. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like having to go with Rams minus four and Chargers plus eight and a half. It seems like they're both good bets, but I don't know if together they have a greater than 50% chance of, of, of making it. Gotcha. Uh, before I let you go, as always, Aaron, uh, I love for you to share with us what is your favorite play heading into Week Six. Well, the Minnesota line has moved so much that it's not really Minnesota anymore. I think my favorite play is Buffalo, uh, Buffalo minus five and a half against Tennessee. Again, home field advantage has meant nothing this year. This is the third straight year where home field advantage has meant nothing. So I do not care that this game is in Nashville. Buffalo has been one of the best defenses we have ever measured through five weeks. If you check out footballoutsiders.com, you can check out our articles about this. Tennessee is one of the bottom 10 teams in our ratings for this year. This line should be higher than five and a half. So Buffalo, Buffalo minus five and a half Monday night. Love it. Aaron, always great having you on my friend. Make sure you uh, check out football outsiders and uh, good luck in week six. Thanks. Good luck to you too. New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks. Mike Tannenbaum joins us on the show. Uh, Mike, good morning. Welcome in. How you doing? doing great good to be with you guys i i, I want to start with a question how, how come i'm not on with anita's locks of the week when we're on a show on monday night and i'm undefeated this year on monday night football against the i'm just just asking for a friend like what does it take to earn earn a spot there you you are you are undefeated so uh we we mike joins us me and and, and tyler fulgham for our bet cast uh on mondays breaking down the monday night football game and you've been on fire dude so, uh, so, so how about that next week, next week, why don't you do the locks of the week with me? That sounds great. Uh, Mike, I, I've been waiting for you to join the show for the three of us to have the conversation in regard to what happened with the Raiders, uh, this week and, and John Gruden. So, uh, you know, let, let's start there. Uh, you know, what do you know? What's your thoughts when, when, of course, all of this came down in regard to the emails and in the way that the Raiders organization handled the situation kind of share with us your thoughts, your concerns and, and this team moving forward. Yeah, it was obviously a, a, a very shocking and disappointing situation just in terms of that story moved really fast from you know the initial emails that went out um, that we heard about on Friday night to him coaching the game to obviously what happened you know by Monday. And uh, look, what he did was totally unacceptable. Um, it was the only decision that Mark Davis could make. And um, they moved on. And you know, as, as we said this week on a few different programs, guys, I think really now from a leadership standpoint that that organization has to say, hey, we have an opportunity now. Like what, what John did was unacceptable. Um, he paid a, a price, an appropriate price for it, in my opinion. And now we, we have an opportunity as an organization to say, okay, what do we want to accomplish this year? Because what's unbelievable is if the season ended today, guys, heading into the games, 
the Raiders would be the sixth seed in the AFC. And I just know firsthand for completely different circumstances, we had Dan Campbell, who was our interim head coach for 12 games. He wound up going 5-7, and seven, and that experience actually helped him become a head coach eventually. So for all those people that are in the building, hopefully you know they can heal, they can move forward, and see this as an opportunity. It's, you know, it's it's interesting you said that that um, you know Mark Davis had no choice in the matter. As as the story began to unfold, the first thing we heard was you know disparaging remarks about um, Demora Smith, which were obviously like racially, you know, promoted or or back. Like, do you did you think that he should have been fired then, or do you think that uh, you know why 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 wasn't it why wasn't that enough? You know why was it? Oh, well, let's see what more comes out when we already have something so damaging as that. Yeah, no, it's a very fair question. And, you know, that's obviously uh, the the right question for Mark Davis. And I I don't know if he felt like he wanted to get all the information because I I think, Matthias, if we're correct, it sounded like they said that, you know, more things were coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I, I, you know, I I don't know. That's a great question. It's amazing how fast the story moved. And clearly, like, in hindsight, they should have done it on Saturday and not have him coach against the Bears. So I don't know what really precipitated you know, Mark Davis by waiting. I don't know what the communication was between the Raiders and the league, um, but boy, that it, the story moved very, very rapidly. You know, one thing I touched on on my show yesterday, and, and we got a ton of calls on, and I'm curious to get both your opinions on this and, and in regard to what the NFLPA is doing now, right? Like, um, so, and, and folks that are just listening in, maybe you don't know all the details to uh, what, how and why this all transpired. Uh, the Washington football team is being investigated uh, for sexual misconduct in the workplace. And so, uh, you know, almost what I, I read somewhere, like almost like over 600,000 emails are being vetted and they stumbled upon this, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody leaked this to the Wall Street Journal, okay? Who is that somebody? Why are you leaking this? Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I, like I, I'm, I'm glad that this was all revealed. My point here is y- you can't pick and choose what emails you're going to leak, that's that's wielding a ton of power for one individual. You opened up Pandora's box, NFLPA is saying, okay, release all the emails because you can't pick and choose who you're going to take down. This isn't a witch hunt. And so, and and I back that. I, um, I'm curious, Mike, let's, let's go to you. And, and Kiwi, I want to get your thoughts on this. Agree or disagree with what the NFLPA is doing, trying to get all these emails released and made public? Yeah, so I actually, um, I teach uh, at Columbia University in their Master's of Sports Management program, and um, this is my second year doing it. We spent a couple of weeks uh, going over the collective bargaining relationship between the management and the Players Association, and we actually have uh, speakers from both sides of the table. And it's interesting, putting this issue aside for a second, there's a lot of, I think, healthy respect amongst you know, the, the collectively bargain parties in terms of if you study litigation going back to literally 1982, 87, 93, but for a lockout in 2011, I mean, we're going into basically with this 10-year agreement, something like 27 years of uh, no work stoppages. So that shows you there's a lot of respect and there's a healthy relationship. And I, I think without getting too technical, my understanding, Anita, would be that, well, you, the union politically could certainly say they want these emails. I, I'm not sure if this is a, like a mandatory uh, subject of collective bargaining, meaning like can they force the league to do that? I guess that would be the question I would ask, and it sounds like what they're trying to do now is obviously put political pressure on. And here, here, Here's my take on it, right? So um, I think 
Derek Carr did a, a great job of of addressing the media, you know, when he came out and said that he loves the man, but he hates the sin. And and I can understand that, right? Um, he also said that, you know, jokingly, like, you know, if we opened up everybody's emails and everybody's texts that, you know, a lot of a lot of people would start sweating, you know, in the room. And 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 I believe that. And I and I get that. And I, I do believe that there should should be a reasonable, you know, expectation of privacy, you know, here and there. But if the league is serious about eradicating racism. You know, you got players on the field with end racism on the back of their helmets. You know, you got say her name. You got all these phrases. That's that's for show. You know, that's 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 for, you know, for television and, you know, to say that we did it. If they're serious, you know, about about making a change and affecting change, then this is an opportunity to say, OK, hey, listen, like we are going to open it up. We don't have to, but we are going to open it up just to make sure that everybody knows and understands that this type of behavior isn't acceptable. And yes, so more heads probably would roll. But, you know, we look at Gruden as, you know, he's the one that got caught, you know, whatever situation he had going on with whoever leaked those emails like like that was that's only because he got caught. There are other people, like I said, in the organization who were on these these email chains for years who thought that it was acceptable for him to continue to write and wrote back and forth with him like that. That's a problem. That's a problem. These are people who are making decisions on, on players' lives. And, and then we even, we even talked about player safety. You know, he grew and touched on that. He was against, you know, the, the player safety protocol that we had. So in, in so many ways, he's looking at, at you know, the, the players who are making him well over a hundred million dollars as, you know, inferior by nature. And that's that's why I have a, a huge problem. And if the NFL is serious about it, you know, if it's if it's not just for looks and yeah, open the emails up and and let's take a look at this this situation so that you know everybody else is put on notice. Hey, listen, the way that you talk about people matters, you know, and you can have your own personal beliefs and that's fine, but the way that you speak about individuals in the workplace matters because you know representation is important and everybody should be given the same opportunities, although we know it's not happening. You know, this is this is a chance. Um, just to uh, put a bow on this conversation, um, let's talk about the game today, and that's the Raiders at Denver. And Mike, uh, you know, you, you can you 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 know this as well as I do. Gruden's gone. Gruden and Mayock weren't on the same page. We both know that entire coaching staff. Not only are they spending time trying to prepare for the Denver Broncos, but they're texting other coaches. They're te texting other teams because they're worried about their future because they know their time is is click is is ticking in regards to them being on this on this Raiders coaching staff, which is which is you know obviously a, another form of the distraction that's going on. Um, you know, Raiders having to travel mile high. I, I know that typically when when you look at years past and you look at a, a coach that is fired, for example. You know, maybe he's lost the locker room. Teams rally. Players rally. Interim coach comes in, they rally. It's a totally different situation. I think this has the potential to get really ugly in Denver today. I, Mike, again, I, I want to throw this back your way. I want your thoughts in regards to what you think mentally and emotionally that coaching staff is going through uh, this week. And, and what are your expectations for this game today? Yeah, I, I see it differently for a couple of reasons. Um, and I've been there. I had to give the speech to the team when uh, we introduced Dan Campbell. And again, that was four games into a 16-game season. Word we use behind closed doors and same word is opportunity. And we got to remember, this is a 17-game season. And Rich Basaccia has been uh, assistant coach for 30 years. I don't know him, good or bad. But, you know, the speech, if I was Mark 
uh, Davis or Mike Mayock is a very simple one, which is, hey, guess what? What happened, again, is tragic, but in pro football, and Matthias, you know this from a week-to-week mindset, it's ancient history in terms of we have a game to play against Denver. And by the way, guys, we have 12 more games. So you want to know who the next coach is of the Las Vegas Raiders? Rich Basaccia is interviewing for 12 weeks. This is an interview. This is an opportunity of a lifetime for him. And Derek Carr, you want to be known as a great quarterback in the Drew Brees conversation and and that sort of echelon. You want to get paid $45 million? Lift those around you. Minimize distractions. And the pen's in their hands. The Las Vegas Raiders would be in the playoffs today if the season ended. They have 12 meaningful games. These are job interviews. So I would be telling them, don't text your buddies. Don't read social media. Your job interview is in Denver. And then you're going to get 11 more of those interviews. And what you make of them is what you write. And if you want to write a great script and be here for a long time, that is certainly all in front of you. Matthias? I, I, no, I can, I can understand that. You know, we can we can shift gears and, and talk about the, the play on the field. I think it's, one, it's unfortunate um, that, you know, NASA had to take the day off and, you know, the whole team had to get up there and address these issues because, like you said, like, this is the NFL and games go on when people are going back to look at the film of you performing and evaluating you as a player as to whether or not they're going to give you a contract and bring you onto their team there they can't sit there and say oh well he was going through something it's not it's like whatever is on film film is is what matters so the so from a player standpoint yeah you have to be able to to switch your mindset and 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 go out there and perform and, and to do the job that you're that you're asked to do the only, only issue i have is like you know we say that under normal circumstances now in these circumstances it's like the person that you are going out there to to make money for and to you know to you know to play to play for is condoning racism within the organization you know and and has been a party to or at least, or at least he's well, gruden's gone so i guess I guess it, it's it's different, but like you know, I could I could understand if the guys out there you know are in a in a messed up frame of mind just because you know it's like wow like you know like I'm gonna go make money for this guy who talked about me and talked about my people like that like that's that's got to be real difficult to kind of wrap your head around. But at the end of the day, you know, you got you you have to put good football on tape to continue to have a job in the NFL. And so I hope for all of them that they can find a way to to put this behind them and have individual great performances. And Matthias, you make a great point, which is I don't want to minimize, you know, the events of what happened and, and the relationships that may be there. Um, mm-hmm. And and this is not your run of the mill. Hey, it just wasn't working out. This was, you know, a very difficult situation and, and some obviously awful email. So I don't mean to minimize it. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, mixed feelings and hurt feelings and, Derek Carr, what he said I thought was somewhat insightful into the mindset of what may be in the locker room right now. Um, But again, I I think from a leadership standpoint, you know, it could be guys like Yannick Ngakwe. It could be Jonathan Abram. It could be Darren Waller, Derek Carr. You know, it could be a galvanizing opportunity for the organization, albeit not an easy one. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.